Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and the science advisor Matt Moniz. Welcome to the second live stream on planetparanormal.com and, of course, our like 75th program here on WBSM. We are talking tonight a very special show about cemetery awareness. Uh, we have a special guest in the studio with us. Hopefully we'll be connecting on the phone with somebody as well a little bit later on. Uh, and then in the second hour, we will talk to uh, Roger Froyland, who is pr- trying to put together something called the Fright Channel, uh, and he's running into some... Uh, problems with that and he needs help from the spooky south coast audience so we'll get into that a little bit later on as well but you know we have our live chats going each wednesday night at 8 p.m eastern on sscfan.com birthday boy matt moniz was in there wednesday uh, experiencing that for the first time and brought a lot of uh, valid points to the table once he got used to the uh, internet chat phenomena was, it, was that your first time in a chat room oh no no okay it seemed to me at first like you were a little bit like, uh, this is 50 conversations going on at once here, and I'm only going to focus on one of them. Well, it, it was also the first time I had a chance to eat all day, and I was trying uh, to so eat with one hand and type so with the other. So you were truly multitasking. Yeah. Well, th- that was uh, interesting because, you know, the first week we had some good discussion. We had a, a number of our regulars uh, come in and, and talk with us, but... This past week was one of the first, was the first time we actually got some really good debate going on. Uh, and we had, uh, Topher from, uh, Univcon and, and Penn State Paranormal was in there with us talking to us, uh, Keith Johnson, yep. uh, numerous listeners, the girls from, uh, the Wraith Hunters in Tennessee. Audrey. Audrey, you know, uh, actually Luann didn't make it. She was, uh, she forgot, I think. But we had a number of our regular listeners in there as well. We had some great debate going on about things like psychics and their role in paranormal investigations, which we talked about last week with Patrick Burns. Uh, and we also got into the subject of cemetery awareness, what we're talking about tonight. And the response we got from the paranormal community, at least the members of it we were talking to, was they're outraged by the way that you know, people will go in there and just totally, uh, you know, stomp all, you know, literally stomp all over everything and not have any respect for where they are. So we put this show together based on something that's going on. Rob Tremblay of CERT was with us last week. He was talking about something that he's putting together uh, where they're going to try to p- clean up some of these cemeteries in Massachusetts. And, and at the same time, it was kind of coincidental, if you believe in coincidence, or maybe it was just fate, which we'll talk about fate a little bit later on. It's a great magazine. Mm. But uh, there's a new uh, initiative by the Ghost Divas and uh, some people in the paranormal uh, Oklahoma paranormal community uh, called National Paranormal Cleanup Month, and that's going to take place through the entire month of June. So when I heard about this, and we were talking about it last week, we had this discussion, I said you know, we have to get in touch with uh, Mr. Jerry Ellis, who is in charge of the Sagamore Cemetery, the most haunted cemetery on Cape Cod, and well-known uh, for... You know, having some activity there. Mm-hmm. 
They're featured in the book Cape Encounters. We talked to those authors in the past. And so I, I contacted Mr. Ellis and I said, would you like to come on with us? And, and he, <laughs> he was a little bit skeptical about doing it because he didn't want to open up the window for more people to come in and cause more damage. So we said, you know, we're going to put our foot down tonight. The purpose of this show is to tell people when you go into these cemeteries. Have respect. Have respect. These are hallowed grounds, consecrated grounds. This is a, a place that's to be revered, not to be treated like a paranormal training ground. You know, you can't just walk in there and be like, hey, I'm a ghost hunter. I've got my EMF detector, my digital camera. I've got my tape recorder. I'm ready. I'm going to just go into whatever cemetery I can find and start poking around. Uh, first of all, any established paranormal group will get angry with you because they take the time to go through getting the proper permissions, uh, going through uh, the process of interviewing the caretakers, the people in charge of the cemeteries, the families, people who are there, and having these experiences not as ghost hunters but just as regular visitors to the cemetery. Your basic due diligence and research as uh, any credible reporter would do exactly but when you're reading about these on the internet let's face it you know there's the the shadowlands website there's numerous websites out there that will put up you know unfounded claims of paranormal activity just about anywhere so if i'm a a young ghost hunter getting into the field i go online and i look it up and i say wow that's the sagamore cemetery is supposedly haunted well i'm going to get down there right now and they'll just jump in their car and go and how can you tell, you know, and, and we'll talk about this with Mr. Ellis in a second, but how can you tell who is the paranormal investigator that's going down there and is well-meaning and just didn't take the time to contact you compared with the teenage kids that are down there with a six-pack and, you know, a, a bag of the wacky tobacco down there and they're, you know, causing malice. Right. So we said, you know, we have to do this show. We have to put the spotlight on this. We have to let people know that, first of all, that Paranormal Cleanup Month is coming and that you can give back to some of this. But at the same time, you have to have respect for it. We're guilty of it ourselves, Matt Costa. You know? We are. <laughs> when we first started doing the show, we said we have to get out into the field. We have to get some experience under our belt. And what's the first thing we did? We went to one of the most haunted supposed cemeteries around here. Yeah, we were kind of ill-prepared on our first venture into the uh, graveyards that are around here, uh, which, well, which I think we know now. I, I have to commend you guys. The second time when I went with you guys and you actually looked up who owned it, what the research was, mm-hmm. you did the research behind it, found who the family was that belonged there, and you went and you made the appropriate contacts and went back and everything was fine. That's the right way to do it, and I applaud you guys. You you guys did it right. But, you know, we still did it wrong the first time, and for that we are still trying to make amends. that's the first time. Everybody makes mistakes the first few times out, but at least you learned. And fortunately for us, you know, the first time we made a mistake, what's the worst thing that happened to us when we went out there? We got a couple of bug bites, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, yeah, we got evidence, but, I mean, but we weren't in there knocking over headstones. We weren't in there digging up flowers. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of these people, that's what happens, whether it be intentional whether it be a lack of respect in in that manner or whether it just is, you know, it just happens while you're out there traipsing around in the dark. So part of having the respect for these grounds is having respect for the people who's, you know, their families that are still there, uh, the families that still come and visit them. Have respect for those people. Have respect for people like Mr. Ellis who dedicate their time to, to taking care of these locations. That's where there also needs to be respect. Well, you got to think of it this way. Everybody has relatives that have died. How would they feel if they were to come to find their grandmother or grandfather's or great-uncles and great-aunts' grave, 
you know, desecrated in mm-hmm. some manner. I'm sure that they would not feel too happy with it. No, and so that's, you know, we need to, to get the word out. So uh, we will be taking your calls tonight all night long, uh, no matter where you are in the world, hearing us worldwide on, on planetparanormal.com and on the WBSM airwaves. You can call us 508 996 500 And, of course, all those numbers are up on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to get in touch with us all week long, you can do that there. Uh, What we'll do is we'll take our our break, our only break of this hour, and then when we come back we will talk to Jerry Ellis about the Sagamore Cemetery, about caretaking for cemeteries in general, and and we'll talk about some of the reports coming out of there, and we'll take your calls on whether or not uh, cemeteries are a valid place for investigation, uh, what kind of procedures, if you're an investigator, you might go through uh, to secure permission Uh, to investigate these locations. So we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are talking about cemetery awareness tonight, a very important topic in the paranormal community. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings at 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. And before I introduce our guest here in the spooky studio, I'd like to just give everybody a brief rundown of what National Paranormal Cleanup Month is all about. This information was provided to us by the Ghost Divas, Tanya Hacker and Tammy Wilson. You can visit their website, myspace.com slash ghostdivas. They have all this information there, as well as uh, a banner you can uh, download and, and put up on your website and ha- help spread the word about National Paranormal Cleanup Month. Uh, Have you ever investigated the location and caught yourself saying, someone should really clean this mess up? Well, it's time to stop being selfish and give back to the people and the properties that have allowed you to come in and conduct paranormal investigations. It's time to take action during the month of June. Show the world that ghost hunters can make a difference and that we really do care about the properties we investigate. From your favorite old cemetery to that neglected building that is packed full of graffiti and beer cans. It's time to give back and stop waiting for someone else to do it. They encourage everyone involved with the paranormal community to organize a cleanup in their area. You've already proven that you are able to gain permission to look for ghosts. They are positive that property owners will be thrilled to allow you to clean up for them free of charge. The National Paranormal Cleanup Event is a great opportunity to meet other paranormal teams as well. Showcase your team as part of the local community with positive representation. Show your local community that you care about these forgotten places and that preservation starts with effort, dedication, and hard work. Pick a location, get permission, set a date, and invite everyone. It's that easy. Here are some suggestions to help with your area's National Paranormal Cleanup Event. You can adopt a cemetery, bring your lawnmowers, weed eaters, and trash bags, readjust headstones, and do a tombstone inventory to submit to property owners for their records. Don't forget to place a flower on each grave. Uh, Abandoned properties, you can contact the owner and be prepared to secure the building for future vandalism. Erase offensive graffiti and pick up garbage, repair fences, and eradicate dangerous objects. Historical sites, if cared for by historical society, individual, or museum complex, offer to go in and clean it up. 
Bring the Murphy Oil Soap and a vacuum cleaner. Contact a local gardening center to let them know what you are doing. See if they can donate some landscaping materials. We invite you to submit your national paranormal cleanup event photos or video to them, and they'll proudly showcase them before and after reports on their website. And it's time to give back to a community that has offered us priceless memories, evidence, and personal adventures. So come together with other teams, prove to the world that you can care about the properties that you investigate, be careful, have fun, and feel great with the National Paranormal Cleanup Event. And it is originated in Oklahoma, created by the Ghost Divas, the Oklahoma Paranormal Union, and its dedicated affiliates. So that's some of the information of what you can do to help give back. And, uh, of course, anybody that does give back, please let us know here on Spooky South Coast. Go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. Contact us there. Let us know. And we'll make sure we let everybody know that you're getting involved. Uh, also, any local groups here in the south coast of Massachusetts area, uh, let me know personally, and we'll see if we can maybe get some recognition for you in the newspaper as well, since I write for, like, every newspaper around here now. Right, Matt? You are. Yeah, the president of all media. <laughs> yeah, that's what he called me the other day. I was like, thanks for that. Howard Stern gets to be the king. I'm the president, so I can be kicked out after four years. Well, let's welcome in or our... impeached. <laughs> thanks, Moniz. All right, let's bring in our guest tonight, our very special guest here in the spooky studio. Donald Jerry Ellis has held many appointed and elected positions in the town of Bourne. He is currently vice chairman of the Bourne Historical Commission. A native of Cape Cod whose roots go back to John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly of the Mayflower and the Howes family which settled in Dennis in 1637. An Air Force veteran, SAC, he has been a lifelong resident of Bourne. He has appeared in a number of com uh, commercial historic films on PBS, on Chronicle, and in two History Channel Modern Marvel programs, the Cape Cod Canal, and most recently, the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway. Jerry is the superintendent of burials at the Sagamore Cemetery in the town of Bourne, and that is the specific cemetery we'll talk about tonight, as well as cemeteries in general. And also, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, if you click on the blog there, there's a link to a story with Mr. Ellis that ran in the Upper Cape Carter on Thursday, January 25th, with a, a very fine photo, I must say, <laughs> and, uh, which in addition to having some information about the cemetery, talks about some of the activity, paranormal activity there as well. Welcome uh, to Spooky South Coast, Mr. Right, Ellis. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to come in, and the invitation is great. Thank you. Well, and as I said at the beginning of the show, you were a little bit nervous about coming on and drawing attention. You said that you recently had a great deal of damage done at the cemetery. Yes, unfortunately, about a month ago, over a period of two nights, uh, we had 30 stones that had been tipped over. And a number of them, old marble stones, had been uh, broken in four and five pieces, and they cost a great deal of money. But the ones that really uh, got us really upset were the old slate stones that someone, because there was frost still in the ground, had taken and rocked them back and forth and snapped them off right at the uh, ground. And they're almost impossible to repair. Uh, so we've gotten estimates of re repairing, replacing, and putting these stones back up over $40,000. And uh, we're a small cemetery, uh, probably three and a half acres uh, in size, right on uh, Sandwich Road in uh, Sagamore Village in the town of Bourne. It's very old. Uh, the oldest stone in the cemetery is 1803. And uh, we have a great number of uh, not talking heads, as we know from television or anything else, but we have a lot of uh, famous people which have made a great deal of uh, influence to the town of Bourne. Mm -hmm. And uh, on top of that, uh, we've got 29 sea captains. Uh, we have uh, 20 Civil War uh, veterans who... who uh, uh, were just outstanding. Uh, three brothers, in fact, 
all by the name of Alice, who died within a period of three months. Uh, they weren't related to me in the near mm-hmm. t- time, but in back. And we have approximately 75 vets. And I have uh, veterans that go back to the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. The only one we don't have is uh, the Mexican War for some unknown reason. And uh, the, the problem that you have in dealing with this is we're very fortunate that uh, we have enormous support from the American Legion, VFW, and all the other groups in town. Uh, but it's just kids, and they have no direction, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe uh, that we've got it nailed down to who these uh, vandals are. The Bourne Police Department has been absolutely outstanding in their investigation and uh, turning this around, and so uh, we're going forward. And unfortunately, these young men may find out that they're going to be responsible for all the damage throughout the cemetery. Well, that would be, you know, if you if you could pin them down and, and have them be responsible for it, and then that hits the newspapers, that hits the media, that all of a sudden these young kids that are out there partying are responsible for $40,000 worth of damage, and that's going to put the call out to other people, you know, don't go in there, don't that's mess right. around. And that's right. Unfortunately, we had uh, some of the most severe damage uh, occurred. Uh, as you all know, the Cape Cod Canal goes right through the town of Bourne, and it technically separates us from the north side to the south side. And there were two huge cemeteries right in the middle of the canal when they dug it. And so in 1909, they had to go in to remove all of these uh, uh, burials. Uh, and the, the, they hired laborers at 90 cents a day to go in and dig up what was left and put them into boxes that were manufactured by the Keith Car Company, which was located in Sagamore Village. And they brought them down to the cemetery. Uh, in one cemetery, uh, what happened is the Collins Farm Cemetery, uh, there were 17 members of the, of the family, and they were all members of the Bourne family. Now, Jonathan Bourne is very uh, well known in New Bedford because of his whaling activity, mm-hmm. and his father and his grandfather uh, are buried in, in our cemetery, and they were in the Collins Farm Cemetery that was moved to where we are, and Jonathan Bourne himself paid for that movement and for the lots. The second cemetery is called the Emory Ellis Cemetery. It is not any relation of mine uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, and he he set quite a precedent because what he did was he sat at the gate of this cemetery with a shotgun, and he held, <laughs> he held up the whole construction of the Cape Cod Canal. And there's a great article that was written in the Boston Sunday Post, uh, July 25, 1909, and said that uh, Emory sat there to, stop everyone from moving until they got what actually he wanted. And in this article, it states specifically that this is the most haunted cemetery on Cape Cod. And so all of those remains were transferred to the Sagamore Cemetery. And this is, in fact, where our resident ghost uh, occupies his time. Now, we talk about uh, in the paranormal community that whenever you disrupt a grave or, or anything that a spirit supposedly haunts, it just increases the level of activity. Right. So you're moving the most haunted cemetery over into your gra- and right. stirring up the bees nest, as, as Derek Bartlett says, That's right. at the same time. That's right, and, and we were the recipient of this, and uh, it it took a long time to figure out basically who it is, but I have a, uh, a woman psychic uh, who happened to come along and came into the cemetery, and she now has identified uh, uh, through her connections as to who it is. And uh, so I, with great reverence, every day I drive in the cemetery, I always put my hand up and say, Isaac, how are you doing today? 
and I go about my business. Now, if you pick up a copy of the book Cape Encounters, Contemporary Cape Cod Ghost Stories by Dan Gordon and Gary Joseph, and uh, or if you listen to our previous show where, where we discussed with them, they talk a lot about the uh, activity that happens in the cemetery. But one thing that stands out to a lot of people is the scent of cigar smoke that is often smelled. That's exactly right. Uh, oftentimes, uh, when I've worked in the cemetery over a period of time, uh, it's all donated because my grandf- one of my great-grandfathers gave a lot of the land at one time for, for that expansion of the cemetery. My first experience, uh, if you'd like to hear what that was, uh, a number of uh, years ago, uh, I was working up. We have uh, uh, very famous Dexter rhododendrons, uh, which were given to uh, the cemetery. Mr. Dexter, who has the uh, area in Sandwich where Heritage Plantation mm-hmm. And so that we have just lovely rhododendrons. So I'm cleaning that out and getting along. It's about four thirty-five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and it's very hot. It was in July, and all of a sudden I turned ice cold, and I had goosebumps. The hair literally stood on end, and I had this crushing feeling that there was somebody right beside me. And so anytime you work in a cemetery or you're involved in a cemetery, irregardless of how brave you are, and I was in the Korean War and did my thing, you become suspect of something is wrong or there's something there that you can't put your finger on. And when this happened, I turned around, and the next thing was it was as if somebody was standing beside me blowing cigar smoke right in my face. And I said, that's it. I'm out of (laughs) here. I picked up my tools. I walked approximately 50 to 75 yards down into the heart of the cemetery to where my vehicle was, and all of a sudden I started to sweat again because it was very hot. And I said, what was that all about, you know? So I went home, and uh, I didn't say too much to my wife the first time, but a few days later I had the same absolute exact thing in the same place. Now, my wife was a research librarian. Brown graduate, so she went out and she went into the internet and did a lot of research and came back, and she said, "Well, you may have encountered a, a ghost or some mm-hmm. something of this nature." She said uh, in her research that what happens is you get a, a chilling feeling, your hair seems to stand on end, goosebumps, uneasy feeling, and there's always a distinct smell of some kind. Now. Since that originally happened about 10 years ago, I have personally had nine separate incidents of this happening to me. And two times I have seen an apparition. And I have to tell you, uh, I don't care how strong you are or whatever it is, when you see something like that, it certainly gets your attention. And I always tell people when I talk about it uh, that uh, uh, you don't have to believe me. But this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And and I have about 11 women and men who come in to visit their graves, and they've experienced an, uh, an encounter, as it were, with which who we think is Isaac. And, and for what reason would there be for him to stay in that cemetery still to this day, to, for his spirit to not be at rest? Well, you touched on it uh, briefly just a short time ago, and this psychic who comes in, a woman who, who does not want to be identified, and she's a, a true professional, and she works with another woman, uh, said that they usually are upset by the fact that something isn't normally gone from A to Z. Mm-hmm. What that 
is, we feel, is that these graves were dug up from the canal and moved to separate cemeteries and moved to the Sagamore Cemetery. They're all in one area. And that that's the reason that there's this problem, that they're upset because what happened is that when the uh, people, the, the laborers, as it were, moved them, that a lot of the spelling on the wooden boxes was done phonetically, and then the stones were moved down afterwards so that they put the graves in, they had a marker on it, and then they tried to put the stones afterwards. Mm -hmm. So what we feel and what's been transferred from Isaac, quote-unquote, to the psychic is that they're upset because some of the stones are not on the right graves. And and as you said, these are all located in one section of the cemetery. Yes, it is. And you've said in the newspaper article and in the book Cape Encounters that this is the hot spot of the cemetery for activity, and this is someplace you don't even feel comfortable going in the daytime. Well, that that's true. But now I, I'm kind of I'm kind of used to it. Mm -hmm. But I have to be honest with you. I introduce myself as I go to the area, and uh, so uh, so I, I I've never had a bad experience. I've had unsettling experiences. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that have had unsettling experiences have basically gone through the same thing, had the same thing happen to them. Uh, but nothing bad has ever happened uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, but it's, there's, there's a fact that, it's, that a, uh, something is there. There's no question. And one of the things is uh, if they're upset by the fact that their headstones are not on the right spots, or right. they're going to get even more upset when there's people going in there without permission and knocking over headstones that's, and causing this kind of exactly damage. That's exactly right. In fact, what I, what I did was I had a, a conversation with the psychic and asked her if there was some way that she could communicate back uh, with, with the entity mm -hmm. and see if we couldn't get a line on who this might be. Now, that might be a little far-fetched, and it kind of stretches the envelope a little, but at, the, at that point we were willing to do anything that we could and she's been up there a number of times and has a number of uh, uh, discussions of however she does this. I try to stay clear from her. Mm -hmm. But, uh, <laughs> excuse me, in the process, she's come up with two other apparitions that exist in the cemetery. And uh, so she is the one who led us to believe that there are three teenagers involved. And that's what we transferred over to the police department. And uh, they, they are investigating based on some of the knowledge that we got from this psychic who so, comes in. So the police were willing to take that information into account? And well. I mean, what was their reaction when you came forward with this information? I, I know the patrol officers that are in the, in the street. They're really good, and one of them happens to live in the village. And I, I told them, I said, you don't have to believe this. But I said, this is what I'm going to tell you exists, and this is what we have found. And at that time, he said, I don't have a problem with that. He says, <laughs> <laughs> however, it makes him think a little bit differently now when he drives into the cemetery at night to go <laughs> through there. Uh, and we're very fortunate with the Bourne Police Department because they have made a real conscious effort, and they go through there quite frequently, and it's working very well. And we have an excellent neighborhood watch that goes on now. So 
hopefully that all will come together as one thing. And that's one thing, a, a bit of a warning out there to anybody who is thinking about going into the cemetery without permission. Not only do you have the neighborhood watch in place, and not only do you have the police patrolling and keeping an eye on this place now, but now you have the other side also keeping an eye on you too. So yeah. it's not really a good idea to go in there without permission. And I've become a believer in that. So I, 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 I just say if you, if you don't believe, then that's, that's too bad. But you may find that you're on the end of someone else getting information that way. But now, within reason, you wouldn't be opposed to a paranormal group doing an investigation Ab- as long as they have the permission and they go about it the Absolutely right way. not. In fact, we've been approached by a gentleman from down in the Cape, and uh, all we request is to give us prior notice, mm-hmm. and we can then notify the police department and so that everybody's in, on the same set of tracks. And then what I do is all of our, my neighborhood watch people, I call and tell them, that there will be some activity in there for a period of time, so let's say from 8 to 10 or 8 to 11, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And that's worked out quite well because we've had a number of people that have come in that way. And one of the, one of the, uh, the, pers- the people from down the Cape brought in some students. And uh, it's, it's really good because you don't have to run that risk of students, kids running through the cemetery, knocking things over, mm-hmm. and et cetera, in, their con- in a controlled environment. And that's, we, we don't have a problem with that as long as we know what's happening and at the same time if, if somebody like Derek Bartlett and Capers or yes. another group is in there at that time you know they're the ones that were in the cemetery that night and not only can you say alright I know that I feel comfortable with them being in there but if anybody else tries to come in and cause any kind of damage it's almost like you would hold that group somewhat responsible for keeping an eye on the place while they're there as well so it it's like having extra security there at the same time exactly and un- uniquely one one evening when they were there in fact a pickup truck uh, approached the gate and t- was turned away by all of a sudden these uh, people standing there and uh, <laughs> so he probably didn't know what it was but it was a group that were in there with knowledge to the cemetery and the police department so and if people do want to uh, come in there, is there a way they can get in contact with you to, to let you know? Yeah, usually uh, what what I do is uh, it's the information is is, uh, is with the selectman's department, the the board of uh, selectmen, the, the women up there, they usually have my name and number, mm-hmm. and the police department ha- does. I don't know if you want me to give out a number right now. Well, uh, no, not if you don't feel comfortable, yeah. but if, if you... What what we do is we try to get people to, to channel it through the police department, and that's what they've been doing in the in, in the past, and it works very, very well. That Yeah, that will work the best because then you're getting them involved and you're letting them right. know at the same time, right. and it saves you an extra step to backtrack and let them know. That's right. Uh, but now, what is it about... I mean, we understand, you know, hey, it's a great place There's to, to do a paranormal investigation. There's tons of... You know, possible act, uh, spirits in a cemetery, but what is it about these places that draws people in so easily that aren't going to be responsible? Well, is it because of the fact that a lot of these older cemeteries, especially, aren't heavily gated? Um, they're a little bit more open. They're a little bit more accessible, I, and a lot of resident and yours, uh, yours not included because you have that great neighborhood watch yeah. program. But yeah. a lot of these older cemeteries around here, the neighborhood just doesn't care about anymore. Well, and, and that's true, and that's unfortunate, because uh, uh, one of the things, as Vice Chairman of the Historical Commission in Bourne, I advocate that uh, a cemetery is one of your greatest sources of historical data that you can get. And if you uh, are looking like a student who's doing a paper, you can go in and find a Sikh at a specific time. And if you research him, you can find an, a great material to write a paper. 
mm-hmm. and especially like what's if you're interested in Civil War veterans, what was their contribution to the town? Uh, we have seven uh, people who are buried in our cemetery uh, that were members of the original town of Bourne when we broke away from Sandwich in 1884, and they have great stories. In fact, one of them was a, a very successful whaler for 20 years, and uh, he was a nigh and uh, probably one of my relatives, for all I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't haunted me up there yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, but but it is a great source of information, a great source source of knowledge. And uh, but the one unfortunate thing is, uh, for the village of Sagamore, we we do not have a park of any kind. We have a ball field, which is usually locked up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the kids, uh, it it's it's they get a challenge to run through it. Uh, it's very dimly lit. We have lights from surrounding areas that in, are in it. And uh, so consequently, uh, if they've watched uh, television or seen a spooky sawmill uh, movie of some type, then all of a sudden they're attracted to this and they think that's what's going to happen when all these people are just resting in peace. And uh, it's, there isn't any of that here, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I talked with your son recently yes. and we uh, with Derek Bartlett, and Derek yeah. had suggested to him uh, possibly buying some IR night vision cameras yes. and placing them in there to, to be able to keep an eye out. So, you know, when you can – I told him it will work twofold. You'll get security out of it by being able to see what's going on and monitoring what's going on at all times. And at the same time, you can provide people a camera – so that if there is anything going on, they can see it that way instead of having to run in there. They well, can go to a website or something and be right. able to see what's going on. Uh, in, in fact, if someone goes in there now with, with destruction on mine, they may find they're on television. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that for now then. Right. Uh, an un, un, uh, unplanned television appearance. Right. So is there something that you could suggest to other cemetery uh, superintendents that's worked well for – I mean – uh, Ellis Bowl Cemetery, I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, uh, it's located in a very remote part of uh, Mattapoisett, Rochester area. Mattapoisett, Fairhaven Line. Mm-hmm. It's right out in the middle of nowhere. There's a couple of houses around there, but they don't really have a clear view of what's going on. That's become a popular attraction for ghost hunters because of its remote location. I mean, what can people do to help make sure that that stays, you know? Uh, I, I, I think one of the things that we did, uh, as a cemetery, and we have uh, 10 people who run it as an, as an association, uh, we went out and talked to everybody that we could to try to make them aware of what some of the problems were that we were experiencing. Uh, then what we did was we went and had a very excellent relationship drawn up with the police department. I think that's the first thing you have to do. Uh, and ask the police department if in the tour in that area if they'll take a ride through to take a look. And then get people involved, responsible people in the village as they go by and they see somebody in there that shouldn't be there, or even if they see somebody, uh, to call. Mm-hmm. Make, make, make it a responsible person that is, you can contact to get it there. We found that this has been very, very successful. Uh, in, in fact, oftentimes people will take a walk at night because, as I said, there's no park in, in, in the village of Sagamore. So people will just take a walk through there because it is like a park atmosphere. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and there's two people in there, and boom, I react immediately. And uh, it, what it is, it's my neighbor and his wife taking a walk through there in the evening, which which we have zero problem with because the feedback from them is always very positive. Mm-hmm. So I think what it is is you have to create a public relations uh, atmosphere with the, with the town, with the neighbors, and with your friends to get them aware of what is actually happening. 
And I think part of what can help with that public relations end of things is this National Paranormal Cleanup Month. If these investigators get involved and it helps. Now, you know, your name and number might not be out there for for everybody to get a hold of or other cemeteries. They might not be as accessible as you are. But if these groups start getting involved with other cemeteries and they become a resource for somebody that wants to get out there and do a little investigation, they know they can call the local paranormal group and they can help provide them with that information. I think you're absolutely correct in the, the information that the uh, that you handed me. Uh, I, I find this very enlightening and, and very positive because I think this is what it's all about. Well, for people to look into a town hall or city hall, you can find who runs whatever cemetery. Right. He's or or he's his, are, any historical. Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Any municipality has to have a record of their yes. of, of their cemetery. That's correct. So it's not hard for somebody to go into their municipality. Here's a cemetery on this street and this street. Who runs it? And then from there, track down and oh. find out, A, can you help them? What, what do they need? Uh, B, is there a way we can make it so that we can go in there and do this and, you know, mm-hmm. make it a reciprocal well, thing? And, and vandals and punks aside, because obviously they're going to go gonna in there. You're going to get them in everywhere. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna cause their, their trouble, and all you can do is really just try to protect yourself against them as much as you can. Right. But, uh, Matt, in terms of paranormal investigators that go in without permission and inadvertently end up causing this thing, why is it that they don't do that? Is it just because it's just easier to run out there, or is it because... They're afraid of, in other areas, they might not be as accepting and as willing to let investigations take place. What you have in most of these cases are, are newbies. Mm-hmm. People just starting out. Uh, they're, they're not really sure what to do, how to get their feet wet. Most of them, you know, they jump into a cemetery because it's open property. There's, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's easy for them to gain access to, you know, legally or illegally, depending upon which way you want to look at it and which way they want to do it. And they don't have anybody really supervising them. You know, like as in, I've done plenty of home investigations, as you know, and i got more coming up. But getting a homeowner to open up, or a property owner, if it's a building or, or a business, you're under a little bit more scrutiny because you're entering into somebody else's property that they either live in or work in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, under that more scrutiny, you're you tend to be a little bit, more behaved, whereas in if you're just out in the open and it's a it's a cemetery, you know, yeah. Yeah. the only people that are out there are the dead, supposedly, right? And, and a lot of people, I think, too, Mr. Ellis, uh, is they're confused uh, or they're they're unknowledgeable about who actually maintains the cemetery. I've heard people say, "Well, I go to a cemetery because it's public property." Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily public property. You first of all, many cemeteries are. Owned and operated by a local church. That's right. Many of them are controlled a by the town. Religious organization or, of yeah. some sort. That's yeah. right. Or and a lot of them around here are family plots. That's right. In in the town of Bourne, uh, all cemeteries in the town, and there are quite a number of them, are all privately owned, and they're run by an association that's made up usually of members of the family who are buried in there, and we kind of take that extra responsibility. None, no one ever gets paid, but it's a uh, oftentimes. It would appear to be a thankless job, but it really isn't because mm-hmm. uh, what you're doing is you're taking care of something that really means a lot to a lot of people in the family. And uh, Well, if, if you would like to share your thoughts on cemetery investigations, you can give us a call, 508 998 
Those numbers are also up on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. But it, it's it seems like with cemeteries being you know right out there, right out in the open, and as you said, most of them are privately owned. Uh, most of them are handled you know by people who are donating their time and their efforts. Wouldn't it? A, a lot of places, I'm sure. If you contact a cemetery and say, hey, we're a paranormal investigation group, would like to come in, yeah, we really don't want you to do that kind of thing. We don't want to have you in there. We don't want to take that risk. But if you called them up and you said, hi, we're a paranormal investigative group, we'd like to come in, do an investigation, and in exchange, we'll give you, you know, 20 hours worth of cleanup, lawn mowing, raking, you know, anything like that. If you could create that kind of dynamic where you give some to get some, then I think you'd find a lot more people would be willing to open the doors. I think that's that's an excellent idea. Uh, most cemeteries today, like ours, we operate on uh, uh, funds that have been left over a period of time. Now, you have to remember, you get perpetual care. Mm-hmm. And with an old cemetery like we have, uh, perpetual care, when they sold a grave, uh, cost $5, you know, quite some number of years ago. Now, of course, the co- cost has escalated. But it costs, on average, uh, just to mow the cemetery that that we have, uh, anywhere from eight to a thousand dollars, and we we can only do it four times a year, uh, based on the amount of money that we have coming in. Mm-hmm. So we go on donations, and we're very fortunate that we have very generous people who donate. So that's a that's an excellent point. Uh, we've never done that with the paranormal uh, group that comes in. Uh, however, we ask them to respect it, and they have helped pick up stuff at different times so the other thing that we like about it is that usually they come in on a saturday night and that cuts down on somebody else coming in yeah. so it works exactly and so you know maybe you want to get involved with national paranormal cleanup month and that's great we hope that you do uh we, we hope that everybody out there that's involved in paranormal investigation will donate some of their time in some manner to clean up these cemeteries and historic locations but why does it just have to be done in the month of june you know why can't it be something that you work out that agreement work out that arrangement and i think you know just not not speaking for paranormal groups but i think it's a great way to kind of get some of your newer members involved to have the newbies in the group be the ones that have to go out and right. you know mow the cemetery well, to teach them that respect here's another way you can look at it you you're going to be out there raking and mowing before you go out and do your investigation this gives you an opportunity to look at the lay of the land yeah it gives you an idea okay here's where i want to help set up my uh rf camera you know ir camera or mm-hmm. um yeah, you, it's it's an easy way to to see where it is you're going to be to really get intimately in associated with the land. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it also gives you a feeling of uh, connection with the land. It gives you a, a sense of you know you can tell somebody you know how much value these cemeteries have, and they're not going to believe you until they've dedicated their time and energy into research and caring for it. And here's another way to look at it. Usually, as we know, most activity occurs when. There is something being done in in the home or the area that's mm-hmm. that's supposed to be haunted. Mm-hmm. If you're the one in there helping to clean up, you're creating activity. So when you come back later on at night, you stand a better chance of actually yeah. seeing something because you, you, you were in there doing something earlier. You know? I, I think that's a very excellent point because the, the lay of the land is very important because, like, for instance, in ours now, we have all these stones that are knocked over. So if you're in there... In the evening, and walking about, you you have to be very careful because some of these stones are huge that got knocked over. So they, that was the first indication that they were pretty good-sized kids that were doing it. But it also gives you an opportunity, uh, usually can be found. And we have a specific tree that he al- allegedly resides in. And so that tree I take very careful 
very good care of. Uh, but uh, and, and I say that sometimes tongue in cheek, but I do mean it because I've gotten. I was a non-believer. I'm a believer. So uh, it, and it takes a while. But I think it is interesting uh, that uh, June uh, is 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 a good month. Any month is to help. But most cemeteries, what their big push is, is to get cleaned up for Memorial Day. So if it's it should be an April May cleanup mm-hmm. thing, and then uh, where we have a lot of oak trees and things like that. We try to clean up uh, towards the end of the year, uh, before Christmas in October, November. And again, we're very fortunate uh, with uh, Sheriff Cummings from the Boswell County Sheriff's Department. We have a very good program with the uh, uh, inmates. uh, I guess you can't call them that anymore, but the people that are the detainees. Detainees, yes. Uh, And they do an excellent job. And so we're very fortunate that uh, we have a good relationship with them, and they do outstanding work. Well, and that's a good point, what you said about preparing for Memorial Day. Maybe we could talk to the ghost divas, and I don't know if they're going to get in touch with us tonight, but we'll definitely have them on in the future, and we can talk to them about the possibility of maybe shifting it back a month and doing it in yes. May so that you can get everything ready for Memorial Day. Is, uh, yes, because that's a big big process because just uh, putting the flags on the graves, in fact, uh, I have uh, a couple of veterans who volunteer, and they become more aware, and I think it's a case where you get more people involved, you become more aware of what's going on. See, that would make more sense. if, if Like I said, you're, you're doing more activity, more activity happens yeah. later on. What better time to do it than right around Memorial Day? Everybody's coming to That's visit, right. so mm-hmm. chances are later on that Memorial evening after everybody's done and gone, you probably would stand a better chance of seeing more things happen. Uh, but, but, I mean, as we were saying, That's too, That's an excellent point. I, 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 I agree with that. But it should be a year-round effort, too, on oh, the, on the yeah. paranormal community sure. part. Yeah, I mean, because uh, in a lot of cemeteries, it's one person that's doing all the care. Or some of them, especially in this area where there's a lot of older family plots, and some of them are not, you know, they're off the beaten path. Some of them aren't cared for at all. Yeah. And it's it's just a shame that when you walk by and you see overgrowth and, and nothing's taken care of. I mean, I know personally that when I go, I, I don't care what happens to me. You know, you're going to come and dance on my grave naked for all I care. It doesn't bother me any. But my family might not feel that yeah, way. That's right. My descendants, you know, hundreds of years later that say, oh, gee, you know, uh, great Uncle Tim, uh, you know, he once had a radio show. He must have been a cool guy. Let's go see if we can find his grave. And then they go and they see this, you know, decimated property with the headstones knocked over and overgrowth. Uh, it means more to the family than it does to the person. So the, the, the theory of they're dead, what do they care, yeah. is not a valid one. Well, See, one of the things in, in, in proper up care of a, uh, upkeep of a cemetery, uh, when you go back and you deal in old historic cemeteries, the, the better to leave them alone. Let the grass grow, let it collect, etc., mm-hmm. because that's the way it was uh, prior to the invention of the real lawnmower. And so you look at that, and uh, it, it's, it's, that's fine, and we try to do that in, the, in the, what's called the Bourndale section of the cemetery where these two uh, big cemeteries were dug up from the canal. The rest of it we try to manicure as best we can. It's highly uh, labor-intensive because you have to cut around all the stones, Mm -hmm. and so it becomes a problem, as it were. But uh, your point's well taken, and uh, uh, I don't think anyone wants to dance on your stone, really. (laughs) Well, you don't know. (laughs) You don't know how many enemies I've made. But, uh, well, one thing, in in the few minutes we have left before the news – and while we have an audience listening, and, and who knows who's listening, is there a way people can get in touch with you to make donations for the upkeep of the cemetery? What, what we do is uh, 
uniquely when it came out in the paper that we had all this damage, uh, we let it be known uh, that we do have a reward out for $500 for arrest and conviction. And we posted that we have a post office box 679 Sagamore, Mass, 02561, and to make it out to the Sagamore Cemetery Association. And we're absolutely ecstatic over the response because now this gives us an opportunity to do tree work and things, mm-hmm. and the, the general public have been absolutely outstanding. We have actually on the phone with us right now Tammy Wilson, who is one of the Ghost Divas, along with Tanya Hacker, and they are the ones that uh, started getting this out there and, and promoting this. And you can go to their website, ghostdivas.com or myspace.com slash ghostdivas to get more information. But they, uh, they have uh, over 10 years of combined experience as paranormal investigators, uh, Tammy is the founder of Erie, Oklahoma. Tanya is the founder of Ghoulie, Ghost Haunts of Oklahoma, and Urban, Edge, Urban Legend Investigations. So anybody that's on MySpace and involved in the paranormal community knows the Ghost Divas because uh, they are you know, they're very visible. They're very involved in a lot of different discussions. Uh, they get a lot of different interesting ideas out there each week. And this is one that you know we jumped on right away. So how are you tonight, Tammy? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm very well spooktacular, as we like to say. So now... How did this idea come about? Uh, was it yourselves or, or just people in the paranormal community in Oklahoma that proposed this? Well, um, it was kind of something that we had just had been talking about with some of the other teams, um, and then Tanya kind of really put it out there. Um, basically, our our group, well, we what we were talking about was we all have these things that we do, and you know, these places that we go, um, and we were talking about you know what do groups really give back to the community. And my uh, particular team, we have kind of adopted a cemetery out here by our town where we go and we clean up and we um, fix it, you know, when they go out there and tear it up and stuff. And so we were just talking about, you know, what do teams actually give back to the community? And so then we came up with the, you know, the cleanup day idea and um, kind of thought we'd put it out there and hope people latched onto it. You know, we talked about, too, how it's the responsibility of the paranormal investigators to do this, to to be able to give back to a location that's essentially giving them the opportunity to hone their skills as investigators. But let's face it, too, on on the other end of things, if you're a paranormal group that's out there and trying to get the word out to people that you're out there and available for investigations, it's a great PR tool as well. Yeah, because, you know, that way they don't think you're just a bunch of, you know, meddling kids stomping around out on the property. I mean, if you're going to come out there and you're going to try to clean it up or fix it up or make it safer, you know, what property owner wouldn't want that? Exactly. Well, we were, we have an actual cemetery caretaker, uh, Mr. Jerry Ellison, here with us, and he's all for this idea uh, as being somebody who runs a cemetery that's privately funded and, and at a lack of funds for the things they need to do. Uh, he said he'd be very willing to, to do this, and I was suggesting the possibility of doing an exchange uh, not just in National Paranormal Cleanup Month, but year-round to have these groups say, you know, if you let us come in and investigate, then we'll come in and do some cleanup work, and it might mm-hmm. be a way to open some doors that are generally locked to paranormal teams. Right, I think so. I think, and I think that we'll see that with some other locations as well. Because um, one of the the sites that we're going to focus on is a is a historical site here in Oklahoma, and um, the, that's where we're going to try to gather gather a bunch of the Oklahoma teams and spend a day. And we're hoping that they will, in turn, let it, you know, let us each come out there and spend some time at that location. And just the goodwill you can create for for your team, uh, both in the community and in the paranormal community, with just a couple of hours of work on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. 
Well, right. And, and two, it kind of puts you out there and people don't think, oh, you're just a weird, freaky ghost hunter person or whatever. I mean, um, I think when you, when you give back to your community and you show that you're not just in this, you know, for thrill seeking or whatever, I think that's going to, um, help a lot with some of the stigma that we have attached to us too. And it's a way also you can put it out there to the regular community that you're going to be out there doing this and they can stop by, grab a rake, you know, lend a hand and they can talk to you about the paranormal and exactly. find out a little bit more. Now, is if this does go into effect, uh, and hopefully you're you're going to make this an annual thing that you guys promote and help get out there. Uh, Mr. Ellis was suggesting possibly doing it a month earlier. If you want to just share your reasons why, with uh, right, Miss Whistling, this is Jerry Ellis. How are you? Hi. Uh, we here uh, in New England. One of the things that we find because of the uh, tremendous leaf fall that we have uh, in in the early part of the year. Uh, find that Memorial Day, where all cemeteries have enormous amount of uh, traffic, people coming and going, visiting graves, that May is actually the premium month for us to get cleaned up so that we can have the cemeteries looking in really good condition. And so your idea is absolutely incredible. Uh, we would support that a thousand percent, but we would probably uh, suggest that it uh, should be considered a month earlier uh, uh, mainly because of Memorial Day and, and the significance that it has with all of us. Oh, definitely. That makes great sense. I mean, and, and honestly, I don't think either one of us even thought about that um, when we were talking about all this. Um, and, yeah, I think that makes great sense. And I think that that would be, a, would be definitely something that could happen. Well, there's another good reason to do it in May, too. When you start pruning trees, most of the trees don't become active. They're still somewhat dormant, so you don't mm-hmm. cause any damage when you're – it would make more sense to prune while the the trees and stuff are still dormant. That makes sense? Well, yeah, and I mean, in, in Oklahoma, it's hot in June. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot cooler in May than it is in June. So, yeah, I think that would be – I think that would be, you know, a great idea. We have a uh, number of old-growth trees uh, in our cemetery because of the fact the cemetery was established uh, in the early 1800s. Uh, we have a number of beech trees, and uh, they're absolutely magnificent. Uh, the oak tree, unfortunately, has a tendency to take over here. Uh, that creates a, a lot of problems with leaves, etc. But uh, I think your point's well taken. Uh, that it, it, It's a great time, and it's, it's very positive, and uh, that's point about uh, attacking the leaf trees, etc., is very important because it becomes a very expensive project for us here in New England. And one of the things I was the most impressed with, and it's I know that the Ghost Divas are all about this, and, and you have been since day one, but so many groups aren't out there. You're promoting this as an opportunity for different paranormal groups to work together. And that's something we've been harping on in the last couple of months, especially as, as it's gotten more junior high out there that uh-huh. there needs to be events like this that bring teams together and, and have them get to know each other and know each other's investigative styles and, and make a real community instead of just, you know, bickering against each other for no reason. It's not like they're taking right. money out of your pocket. You're taking money out of their pocket. You know, it, it's just everybody's doing it because we fall into that as human beings. Right, right. And that's that's one of our goals, too, is to kind of um, get everybody together kind of on a social level where we're, you know, still doing something as a, as a group or as teams, but we're all kind of working towards the same goal. And, and really we are all working towards the same goal in the end. Um, and I don't understand all of the drama and the bickering and the craziness that goes on either. And this is, I think things like this will be a good opportunity because 
we're all going to be, you know, out there sweating the same and doing this. I think it's a good opportunity to bring the teams together. And as well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I think it happens all over the place. But teams are always competing uh, more or less about who, you know, who gets in this place or who gets in that place or whatever. And it's kind of crazy. But, um, you know, this with this specific location that we're going to all work together on, you know, we're going to all – go out there and we're all going to work and then we're you know hopefully everybody will have an opportunity to go out there so it i think it's going to do a lot of good for the paranormal community too well it also has another added benefit number one when you're going out there to clean you're getting a, a reconnoiter of the place during the day so you can see where the best places are to set up number two right. you're creating a safer environment you're removing all of the hazards that you would be tripping over through the course of the evening right that's yeah. very true now, uh, Matt suggested, uh, he, he was writing me a little note here, suggesting that uh, when you do go into these places and these historic locations and, and uh, cemeteries and whatnot, you could kind of take like the adopt-a-highway approach where, mm-hmm. you know, one group says, okay, I'm here to clean this as part of National Paranormal Cleanup Month, and I think I'm going to come back here and make sure that this is maintained year-round. And then they could put up a little plaque or something and have, you know, like a, you know, this place uh, clean maintained by such and such a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would be that would be a great that would be a great way to do it, and that's what our team does with the, the local cemetery that we go to, just because it's I I know the family that owns the land around there, and they have, um, and it's an old cemetery; it's not used very much anymore. But you know, we still feel like that it needs to be maintained because there's still families that have you know people out there, mm-hmm. and um, and so they they kind of mow, but then we go out and we pick up the trash and we do all that just to kind of that's you know we do that throughout the year. And so I think that if every group would adopt a place that that um, you know that they can do that with, I think that it would be a great thing. And that's the that's the misjudgment uh, that a lot of people make when they go out into these places, especially a cemetery, and investigate, and they say, "Well, they're dead. What do they care?" But it, like you said, it's the families, it's the people that still go back there and want to have this nice eternal resting place for their loved ones. It also goes back to the, you know, stirring up activity. As you know, when you remodel a home and you disturb things or you move things around, activity starts. So if you're in there cleaning the place up during the day, chances are better for you to get some evidence in the night because things have been disturbed, things are being moved, there's change. And as you know, that activity would be much much easier to record, especially after a big cleanup event. Make sense? Right. Somebody somebody mentioned that, too. They said, well, don't you think if you go in there and you start cleaning everything up, you're going to stir things up? And I thought, well, you know, you, you might. Or then again, you, you know, you might not. You might make whatever's there happy because, the, you know, the, it probably wasn't that big a mess when they were there before. And, and, and you, so, you know, I mean, the thing is, is it, with a lot of these locations that we go to, they're historical locations, but they're not, um, they're not really part of, like, a museum or anything like that. But mm-hmm. there's just, you know, some places, um, it's kind of a dignity thing, I guess. I just feel like, you know, if you're going to have a place that you're going to have people coming in and showing it as a historical location, that needs to be taken care of. Well, and to respect the history of the place, if nothing else. Well, uh, one of the things too, though, that is an added benefit of this. Uh, I know that being a, a reputable, reputable group, you want everybody to go out and get permission and and uh, acquire the right uh, permits and whatever it takes to investigate a lot of these locations. But mm-hmm. you're putting a face on your group when you're going out and and, and doing this kind of work uh, to the community, to the people who run these locations. And you're saying, look, we're not the punk kids that come in here drinking and causing problems. You know, This is who right. we are. We're serious about what we're doing. And you might generate a dialogue that you might not have had otherwise. Right. Right. It's the whole give a little to get a little approach. Uh-huh. 
Well, it comes down to, I think, a lot of uh, linkage and mm-hmm. your communication with the different uh, cemetery groups. I know when we dealt with uh, uh, Dan Gordon and Gary Joseph when they wrote the book uh, Cave Encounters, uh, they contacted us, asked permission to go through the cemetery. I gave them a walkthrough tour, and uh, uh, it worked absolutely perfect. They Every time they came back, they gave us a call. Everything was very, very positive out of it, and it was a very positive experience on both ends. And hopefully that's what a lot of different groups can find in, in, in their local spots that they're going to help clean up. Yeah, hopefully. Now, hopefully it, it works that way. I, I know that you you recommend everybody puts pictures of this up on their website to let people know, hey, we're giving back to the community. And, and we've already said, you know, any groups locally here that do anything to get in touch with us, any group anywhere that participates in one of this, let us know, and we'll give you credit here on the show and, and let people know that you're out there and involved. But do you think that as this goes goes on and on, It'll just, you won't even have to do this anymore? You won't even have to have a National Paranormal Cleanup Month anymore? It'll just be well, an accepted part of the community and what you have to do? I hope so. I mean, I really do hope so. And that, and it kind of, like I said, it started out with us talking about, you know, what do, it started out as, um, I guess, kind of a, out of a little bit of a drama deal, because we were talking about um, some of these organizations and stuff that are online and they're trying to, you know, bring everybody together and all that, and it's very commendable, and that's great. But the thing is, I'm a, I'm, I'm more of a person who wants to like do things, you know, and and that all came down to I wasn't participating enough on their message board, mm-hmm. and I was like, are you kidding me? I have, four, I have four kids and a job and a husband, and I don't have time for that. But if you want me to do stuff, you know, and for the community or whatever, I will be glad to do whatever you want me to do. And um, so that's what we were talking about, you know, well, you know. My team does a lot of things in the community as far as, you know, giving back. And it's not just about the cleanup thing. When we do the cleanup at the cemetery, we, you know, we have a booth at the local Halloween festival where we hand out candy and we have brochures and stuff. And we, um, you know, we do workshops and seminars and, you know, tours and all that and historical stuff and all of that kind of stuff. So it all comes down to um, you can make a positive experience for the whole paranormal community if you give back in some way. And um, I just think that that's important that that every that every team gives something to that does something in return for their community. Absolutely, and that's really where it all stemmed from was um, you know actually getting out there and doing. What are you doing? Are you you know you just fighting with people online or you know or are you actually doing something? And so um, that's where that came from. And I and I hope that it does become something that people will just start to incorporate into mm-hmm. their investigation procedures. Fair is fair. You're getting something like evidence from these places. Why should you not pay it back with some sort of, you know, sweat? Exactly. Sweat equity. Yep. Right. Well, we thank you, Tammy, for joining us. Well, and, thank uh, you. We wish you luck with keeping this going and, and keep us up to date. And anytime you, you, you have things that you want to promote that you're doing out in the community, let us know. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, take care. That is Tammy Wilson, who, along with Tanya Hacker, Cree, uh, they are the Ghost Divas, and they are recommending you get out there for National Paranormal Cleanup Month next month in June. So we'll keep you up to date on all of those things. All right, well, we have a call here in the about uh, two and a half minutes we have left. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good evening, Tim. It's Keith. Hey, Keith. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. And, and Keith was in our chat room on Wednesday talking to us about similar incidents that have happened in a cemetery local to him where people just go in there and show no respect to the property. This is true. It's very true, and it's very sad. It's very unfortunate that this does take place, 
and uh, this local cemetery has been the victim of uh, just just an incredible amount of uh, cult activity and also vandalism, desecration, and even an instance of grave robbing. And and so wow. it uh, it obviously makes it very difficult for us, the paranormal investigators, as well. Now, Keith, uh, and of course, you're in, you're the founder of Near New England Anomalies Research, and what do you think of that idea of having you know paranormal investigators work out uh, like a co-op with the cemeteries where they can come in and investigate and in exchange they turn in work you know i think that's an excellent idea i think that will bring a lot more credibility to the to the field to show that we're out there actually helping to clean up and showing respect for these places and that we we do respect the privacy of individuals and we respect the situation and that that we're putting an effort in to to show that we care about these places both private and public. And do you think that, you know, something like National Paranormal Cleanup Month is a, a good way to get the ball rolling? Uh, you think the, the community will be respectful for uh, being able to carry this out year-round once they get in there and they get involved? We're hoping. We're hoping. It'll probably take some time, but I think after, after a while the word will get out there, and uh, the more we publicize this, the better. So I think it is a very positive thing. And, of course, Nier is going to be out there uh, cleaning up a cemetery or a historic location, I assume? Most definitely. Okay. Most definitely. All right, well, we are coming up on the news. We thank Keith for, jo- for joining in, and sorry that we we're up against the news there. But uh, when we come back, we will have our new segment, The Week in Weird. We'll talk more with Mr. Ellis, take your calls, and we'll also talk about the Fright Channel. So stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. And now, here with an unlimited supply of misinformation is... Spooky South Coast. i got better things to do than listen to this. I think I'll go trim my toenails. So that's your final answer. Spooky South Coast is back. Oh, oh, no. No, 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 Not that way. No, 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 no. I can smell you, I'm not afraid. You Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast here on WBSM and on PlanetParanormal.com. If you're listening that way, Tim Weisberg here, the silent assassin Matt Casa, manning the controls, science advisor Matt Moniz is alongside as well, uh, as well as our guest in studio, Jerry Ellis, of the Sagamore Cemetery and the Bourne Historical Commission, and our associate producer, Jennifer, spooky wife, as she's known on the internet, and knitbits.com, as she's known uh, for all of her fine homemade knitted items, uh, knitbits.etsy.com, E-T-S-Y.com. We'll throw that little plug out there since she's helping us out tonight. Next week, Matt, we might have a new associate producer involved in the show. Possibly. D- d- does she want any recognition for that? or? Um. Probably not. Okay. But, but uh, we, we, we're building a, a veritable force of people who are willing to help us get this show out there and make these live streams possible. So we thank you all for that, and we thank you all for tuning in on planetparanormal.com. We hope to be there each and every week, as we are online each and every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern for our live Internet chats on sscfan.com. 
you know, short for SpookySouthCoastFan.com. Not that we made the website. That was our buddy Carl that did it. Uh, I don't know. He's a little sick in the head because he thinks that we're actually interesting and cool. So, But uh, he did make that fine website for us, and there's a chat room there, and you can take part in the discussion. Uh, Matt Moniz was there this week talking with us. Keith Johnson stopped in. Uh, Topher uh, from Penn State Paranormal and Unicorn was there. Matt Costa was not there this week, but he was there last week. And you're up this week, so I am. he'll be there this I'm week. I'm ready. Carl's actually built a pretty cool site. Yeah, it is. It's an excellent site. Uh, it's very uh, interactive. Lots of stuff there that, you know, if you're interested in the show and you like what it is that we do, he's got some pictures up there that you won't see anywhere else, some, some candid photos, and he's, uh, he, he's taken the time to, to talk to you and me and put some interviews up there. And he go, likes to go out there and find, after we talk to our guests, wow, <laughs> take a look at that, Matt. Whoa. That's in daytime, too. He takes a he takes Got my a, attention. He takes a chance to uh, to really go and do a little more digging on the guests that we have, and to keep updates up there. You know, we might not have the time to do that. That is outstanding. That is pretty. That's what I daylight is, ectoplasm. Yeah, I I sent I just showed them a photograph, an eight by ten, that was taken by a young woman who uh, whose mother brought her into the cemetery to show uh, that she had bought four lots and where they were. And this young lady lived in Florida, and she walked around, and the mother explained to her she had had a very unsettling experience up in the Herring Pond area, uh, 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 part of the cemetery, where they had been transferred from the canal. And so as she walked around, she said uh, to her mother, she said, I have a very funny feeling, and she turned around and snapped a shot of the of the tree, which is associated with the uh, was this gonna, I was going to say, was this where your friend hangs out? That's exactly right. She turned around and shot this photo. She then went back to Florida and uh, had the had the film uh, developed and sent back uh, this photograph. And so I asked to have the negatives come back, and I had them professionally looked at to see if there was any light into the into the film at all, into the camera at all. And the person who did the investigation for me said that under no circumstances could that be fudged or anything else. And when I showed this to uh, the paranormal that I have that comes into the in, into the cemetery, she stepped back and said, oh, my God, she said, that is a ghost, just like that. Yeah, that's, that's a photograph of what's known as daylight ectoplasm. Very rare. I have to admit, very good. And uh, hopefully we can get you to put that up on the Internet some way so people can sure. see it. Would, I, I, in fact, I'll, I'll try and mail you a copy. Excellent. So, that would be great. Excellent. And we will share it with our audience and with some uh, some other uh, ghost sites that like to put photos like that up as well, so like ghostvillage.com and, and other sites such as that. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get something in the daytime, it just makes it a lot harder for people to debunk, you know, is, is it fog? Well, probably not, not in the daytime like that, unless yeah. it's really cold. And Well, the uniqueness was that she had taken uh, two other photographs just prior to that up on the up on another part of the cemetery where they had bought the lots. Mm-hmm. And then she went home and took one at the back door, and not one of those shots has any light or anything else. It's it's absolutely perfect strip of film, and it just shows this one thing. It was it's astounding when I saw it. It is, and and it is a great photo. So we hope to get it up there so people can see, uh, and and get a chance of view for themselves. And it's just I can just imagine too. Uh, for for people when they go there and they're they're taking pictures they think they're going there to do a little uh yes. you know a little photo work for for yeah. their own reference and then they capture something like that it's a shock so and of course we will take more of your calls on cemetery awareness uh, a little bit later on 508-996-0500 
508-291-0500. But uh, why don't we right now get into a little segment we like to call... More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today. What's so wonderful? Ooh, weird stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> The Week in Weird. All right, and our first story. Now, now, Grant Wilson of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, we are, are, we're glad that you're up and about and that you're recovered from your emergency appendectomy last week. And uh, it was great to hear you back on Beyond Reality Radio on sister station WPRO-AM a little bit earlier tonight, but you stole my thunder on this story, man. I was putting together the week in weird, and I was like, "This story is great." I have to read the story, and then the first story of their paranormal news segment was this story. So, Grant kind of stole my thunder, but that's okay. Uh, he's got way more people listening to him live than we do. So, the power nap device is in development. This is by Bill Christensen of Technovelgi.com. Uh, do you have trouble getting a good night's sleep? University of Wisconsin Madison researchers are working on a gadget that can help you. Dr. Giulio Tononi, a professor of psychiatry at the UW-Madison School of Medicine and Public Health, is working on a device that uses transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, to stimulate the slow brain waves characteristic of deep sleep. TMS sends a harmless magnetic pulse through your skull to alter brain activity. In experiments, sleeping volunteers immediately began reproducing the slow, deep waves seen in stage 3 and stage 4 sleep. With a single pulse, we were able to induce a wave that looks identical to the waves that the brain makes normally during sleep, said Tononi. Scientists refer to four stages of sleep. In stage one, the body becomes more relaxed. Some areas of the brain are already asleep. In stage two, or light sleep, theta brain waves signal changes in how the brain is working. Stage three is a deep sleep characterized by both theta and finally delta waves, the deepest stage of sleep. And finally, stage four sleep only has delta waves. Uh, arrives, it, it arrives driving your body's respiration, heart rate, blood pressure, and body temperature to its lowest point during the day. Further studies need to be done before it can be determined whether TMS can provide the basis for, safe, for a safe, helpful sleep device. Dr. Tononi's study was published in the April 30th edition of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists. TMS is also being studied as a treatment for severe depression, mania, and auditory hallucinations, migraine headaches, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Ordinary human sleep varies greatly in depth and quality. A vestigial remembrance of the time when Homo habilis needed to cycle between deep sleep and near waking, less than a coma-like slumber, he fall prey to carnivores. And the nap cap, which is what's being developed to, to work with this, a client becomes an instant yoga master able to stay in the deepest stage, stages of sleep for many hours, increasing the value of each minute's rest many fold. So I'm a little bit different than most people. I don't go through those processes when I go to sleep. Yeah, you have uh, your own sleep issues. Yeah, uh, the ha- having the benefit of having sleep apnea and narcolepsy, when I lay down and close my eyes, stage four. And I can tell you now, I'm not getting any extra rest out of it, but that doesn't mean that uh, things couldn't change for people, you know, when they when they put this in there, you know. Uh, there'll be enough experimentation done to let us know if it's going to work so hopefully well i have one other issue with them using the uh magnetic waves there's another study where uh some uh individual who is a university member tried uh to say that electromagnetic frequencies were what were causing people to experience alien abductions 
months. So oh, really, yeah. So yeah, you, would you really get a good night's sleep if, if according to this gentleman's, uh, I will call it, stretching theory, that uh, you would wind up having a good night's sleep while having an alien abduction? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Trade uh, one thing for another. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll keep up to date on that story for sure because, as always, I'm interested in anything that has to do with sleep. Uh, speaking of sleep, I hopefully uh, Matt Costum will put us to sleep. <laughs> I can't guarantee you. Not that you would. I'm just taking a dig at I always take digs at Moniz, so i got to throw one your way once in a while. That's all right. All right. The alphabet of Brooke Shields. What does it mean? <laughs> anyway? No I'm a big fan of Blue Lagoon, so. All right. <laughs> A small bit of graffiti has been popping up all over London and across Europe over the past few weeks. And it's puzzling onlookers and local authorities. From Tower Bridge to Wembley Park, there's been, there are even reports of it appearing as far away as Hamburg and the Netherlands. Over 50 occurrences of this gra- graffiti have been categorized. There's even a Facebook gr- group dedicated to solving the mystery. The website, alphabetabrookshields.com, contains nothing but a plea for the person who created them to get in touch. So this this could be all some sort of guerrilla marketing advertising scheme like which we all know living around Boston yeah, isn't exactly. uh, out of the question. But uh, Brooke Shields herself has yet to comment whether or not she does in fact have her own alphabet. That's the thing on that. You know, and... Uh, the mystery. I wish I could... I, I feel bad saying this, especially in such a public forum, but yeah. I don't I, I don't see the allure of Brooke Shields as an actress. She's a beautiful <laughs> woman, but I don't know. Not a great actress, at least in my opinion. Maybe was that suddenly, Susan? Was that? No, it was suddenly crappy. I mean, <laughs> as soon as I turned it on, I was like, this show suddenly stinks. But she is a beautiful woman, and like you said, you know, the Blue Lagoon, uh, it was more about uh, the visuals than it was the uh, the script. So There was a script? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I like to. All right, never mind. Let's not let this digress too much further. All right, Matt Moniz, get weird on us. Okay. Uh, from realitytvmagazine.com. For the first time in the show's history, the most haunted paranormal investigation team will bring their hit TV show to most haunted live. The United States for a live investigation from a top secret yet-to-be-disclosed haunted location, the Travel Channel will broadcast an unprecedented seven straight hours live on Friday, June 1st, from 8 p.m. through Sunday, I mean, sorry, through Saturday, June 2nd, at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The presenter, Yvette Fielding, spiritual medium David Wells, and the rest of Most Haunted Live team will conduct the investigation. Armed with night vision cameras, the thermal imaging devices, and other paranormal investigation tools, the team will perform through investigations of local investigation of a local smudge there on location. Sorry, and te- that was my son. Yeah. Okay. On location and attempt to communicate with the paranormal. The team will have uh, extensive access to the location, including areas that are not currently open to the public. The most haunted live U.S. experience will be extended online with multiple webcams streaming live images from select areas within the location. 
Users will be able to actively participate in the broadcast by posting paranormal sightings, well wishes for the team, suggestions on rooms to investigate, and predictions and premonitions on the boards through the text messaging and faxing system. Selected user-submitted comments will be presented during the interactive segments of the event, as well as scroll across the bottom of the screen during live investigations. A downloadable ghost detector application will also be available for mobile phones. It is designed to detect subtle changes in the electromagnetic fields, which is believed to indicate paranormal activity. And we were talking about that before we came on the air, about whether or not there could actually be an application using the mobile phone as an EMF detector. And, and you said they'd probably do something with the antenna? Yeah, that, that would be my guess. Uh, you know how when you're going in certain rooms or if you hold your mm -hmm. phone closer to, you, to your body or somebody else's body, it interferes with the, uh, the cellular reception? Mm -hmm. Probably just an algorithm that they created that does the same thing inside the phone. What about those who have internal antennas? Like, I have a Razor phone, so that has an internal antenna. Yeah, but it, it still work on the same it way. It should still work on the same way. What it's doing is it's measuring impedance or how, how it's being impeded against. Well, we'll have to see what happens there because, uh, like I said, that would be very interesting if they actually did develop that and it worked out well and it could actually be used as a tool. Then essentially every paranormal investigator, for whatever it costs to download the program, just got an EMF detector in their pocket. So is that an EMF detector in your pocket or are you just glad to see me? All right, well, why don't we wrap up the Week in Weird because we have to get to our next guest, uh, Roger Foylan, who's going to join us to talk about the Fright Channel, talk a little bit more about National Paranormal Cleanup Month before we go. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal. Angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. doors and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right. Welcome back in here. Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt Costa, the silent assassin, as he's known in the professional assassin circles. How's that going for you, the assassin stuff? Um, I'm not at liberty to say. Okay. But it's a good answer. It's, uh, he went from bullfighting to assassin, so it's, I guess it's a step up. Has he been reading my blog? Oh, well, let's not get into that. Uh, uh, you know, we actually have people, like, responding with mass murderer comments on our message board now. So thanks a lot, Moniz. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll save that for another time. Uh, but we do have on the phone with us Roger Froyland. Uh, he is a graphic design and video production. Uh, that's his background. Uh, he's worked for local cable access stations, and he's been involved in corporate and consumer video. And he's going to talk to us about a project that he has uh, planned, and he's he ran into some snags, and now there's some people kind of stepping on this territory. So we want to get the word out there to the spooky South Coast audience to try to help Roger out. Uh, good evening, Roger. How you doing? Good. How you doing? All right. And why don't you explain to everybody exactly what this project was that you started uh, started putting together? Okay, uh, basically the long and short of it is around 1998, I uh, came up with the uh, idea of starting an all-horror TV channel. And, of course, at the time that was unheard of. And in uh, 2000, I came up with the name The Fright Channel. And uh, we, got, we got pretty far. You know, we, got, um, we, we had the satellite lined up. We had films, original programming. We even had a local guy, Dana Hersey, who's kind of a local celebrity. One of uh, my idols. Yeah, he was going to be the voice of the channel. I mean, I, I had him locked up, ready to do it. And uh, in 2004 or so, the, the investors, we, we were just about ready to launch. The investors got cold feet, and they backed out. And at that point, I had expended all the energy I could, and it, it, it had killed the project. Um, but now we were planning on coming back with um, a new version of the Fright Channel where it would be an online TV station done in the style of the old independent uh, TV channel. Mm-hmm. And we have somebody here locally that's uh, one of the local horror hosts uh, who is involved in that community where they're trying to keep that spirit alive. So anytime we can have this vintage horror stuff going, uh, and, and we've talked about Creature Double Feature here in the past, and you know all about Creature Double Feature. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been all over the MySpace with, with promoting it, and we've been on the message board for that and that sort of thing. And so, you know, trying to keep this stuff alive, you're going to find that you're going up against these more corporate entities. Like, I don't know exactly who it is that puts out, um, what's it called, um, uh, FearNet on, on on-demand cable. I right. think I think it's probably tied into the uh, the Stars Network and all and all that uh, package. I think it is, yeah. But you're, you're going to go up against, you know, the big corporate entities like that while you're trying to put together something that's a little more grassroots. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the concept has been out there. I mean, we had the... the I, I've made industry contacts when I was doing it. I even talked to the guy at Universal, and at the time, this was back in like 2002 or three. he even t- admitted to me they were toying with the idea of starting their own horror channel. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we had a lot, a lot of um, people ready to go on this project. And, and now, without naming any names here, because we didn't uh, give the opportunity for equal time, but you do have somebody that is kind of stepping in on your trademark and, and trying to take over, essentially, your name. Yeah, yeah. Someone out there, um, uh, we'll see. He was uh, this person's a TV producer. Came up with something called the Fright Channel, and they're supposedly going to launch it in July in Los Angeles. And they're basically following the same pattern that we did. Uh, you know, mind you, I have no problem with there being other horror TV channels out there. In fact, I'm glad that they're out there. Yeah, the more the better. Yeah. Exactly. And somebody got them off the ground. You know, where we couldn't. But uh, this person's using my name that I've sort of become synonymous with, and you know, I have. I have the graphic from 2000 with a timestamp on it. I can provide testimonials from not only people who worked on it, but industry professionals, uh, fans, and everybody who could swear up and down that, you know, I started something called the Fright Channel back in 2000. And, and so now with your new version of this, uh, for you to go forward, you know, you really don't want somebody else using the same name, and you, you don't want to have to start start from scratch in terms of that. But... Is there any possibility that you could team up with these people and work together, or are they just not interested in that? Um, I've tried to contact them, and they haven't they haven't called me back, so I don't know how that would work. I've actually had some communication with a couple of the other horror channels out there, 
And um, I do have a couple of production things that are, you know, kind of tentatively in the works with them. Um, but right now, as it stands, no, I have no association with, with this new project called The Fright Channel. Well, two key questions I have now. It says that uh, you let me know that you're actually working with the uh, the uh, working with the trademark office. You have actually filed the trademark on that name? Uh, no. See, what happened was, and this is kind of you know, foolishness on my part, but at the time, we didn't have the money to be able to put out the trademark. So that was going to come out of the budget. Mm-hmm. Well, when the budget never, never materialized, materialized right. Um, it kind of went on the back burner, and then I needed to really kind of separate myself from the project for a little bit to think about how to reapproach it. And that was when I came up with the online thing. And we hadn't gotten to that point yet. When I saw this, that this person had, was using the name, I immediately um, got on the phone with the trademark office. And this person has filed for it in January, but it's not not been processed yet. So what I've done is I filed a notice of opposition. Because I can basically prove that the name, the Fright Channel, is mine. Because you've actually already started promoting it and doing the work for it, so it becomes your intellectual property. Right, exactly. Now, uh, yeah, I've, got, I've got a sorry, I've got a draw full of T-shirts that will prove that. Several people <laughs> that have them that that have, hey, I got my old T-shirt. It's really old. I can prove it, right? Right. So that that'll work. Now, uh, the other question I have for you, and uh, have you purchased the website yet with the name, the Fright Channel? Yeah, um, I have an associate of mine. Has um, thefrightchannel.com, which he's had for a couple of years, but he's had some difficulties, and I'm, I'm working on getting that transferred over to but you my own, domain. You own the domain name. I, I yes, I own the domain name. It's in so, it's in my associate's name, but it's my domain. So so even if uh, even if you can't successfully block the trademark, and, and they they go to business with this name, uh, you're going to be getting a pretty uh, pretty good sum from them when they need to buy that site from you. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, you know. And I, I, um, I was. It's funny that you say that too, because um, just near months ago, I was looking at the the website as we were working on it, and I was thinking, gee, I really need to get FrightChannel.tv as well, and I didn't do it. And of course, I've got all the other .net, dot, you know, biz and all that, mm-hmm. and I didn't get that one. And um, .tv still under- being yeah, still an up and coming extension, web extension. So right uh, now. When you do get everything going uh, with the online, is this something that you have planned of being like a 24-hour, you know, you just tune into the website and there's different programming on, or is it going to be like an on-demand click here to watch this? Actually, it's going to be a little bit of both. The way I was envisioning is it was, if you remember, back in the day, if you didn't catch the late-night horror show at 11 o'clock on Friday night, you missed it. Yep. And, you know, I, I know everything is on-demand and people like that sort of thing, but my approach is going to be different. I want to have it so that... You have to tune in in a certain time range on the on the website, and if you miss it, you miss it, and you got to catch it when it reruns. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we may provide archive options or something like that. But, yeah, um, you can subscribe. You know, for a subscription price, you can access the archives. But in terms of the presentation style, you know, I can just picture the screenshot being something like an old an old floor model picture of an old floor model TV with the screen in the middle. You know, and that's what's airing the stuff. And you know, you can it, yeah. <laughs> lay on the living room floor on, with your with your uh, milk and cookies watching it. You know. Yeah, at least that's how I used to do it. I don't know if everybody else did. Matt, oh, Mon- yeah. Matt Moniz was like watching slasher flicks, cheering for the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and Costa was over there trying to investigate exactly at what the possibilities were of these giant lizards and giant moths. And he'll be online looking them up and talking back and forth with Lauren Coleman. <laughs> so, but it, it definitely sounds like a, an exciting project, and it sounds to me, at least the online version of it, sounds to me more. More of what I want to see as a fan than these, you know, these video channels, these on-demand channels, these networks that are coming out, where 
you know, you might be able to watch a Friday the 13th movie if they have another Friday the 13th movie coming out that they want to promote. Or if Universal is the backer behind uh, this channel or, or whoever, you're only going to see Universal movies. You know, right. what you're doing sounds a little bit more organic. And Now, I'm assuming that you, you said that you had procured some films to do this with before and everything. I'm assuming, though, that a good deal of what you're working with uh, with a startup budget is you're going to be going with a lot of public domain stuff. Right. Uh, a lot of stuff that, you know, is cheap enough to get the rights to, not the stuff that's been put in the Turner Classic Movies Library. So right. it, it's going to be more... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm going to say it's going to be more like the old independent days of these uh, UHF channels where they just bought what they could afford or they bought what they got cheap and they just threw them on the shelf and would run them as opposed to, you know, going out and dropping X amount of dollars to be able to run the Wolfman or Dracula. Right. I mean, that's exactly what I was just going to say was that, you know... You just think about Creature Double Feature and, and the stuff that they showed on there, and you know that's the kind of stuff that we'll be promoting. As well as I want to open the door for independent producers as well that want to get their stuff out there and get noticed. That maybe the, the studios are overlooking, and you might you know might have some quality work there that that could be shared with the audience. Now, are, are you going to have some some horror hosts on this as well? Uh, some some personalities. Yeah, well, we have we have one horror host that's um, he's kind of been in retirement for a couple of years, but he's coming back out of the mothballs. His name's Uncle Death. Ah, okay. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Penny Dreadful. We, we've been talking with her. Um, and we'd, I mean, we, we've talked to her about the concept, but we'd love to have her, you know, once this got up and running, to have her put her show on there. And um, so there's so many other possibilities, as well as documentaries on these people, documentaries on the horror host mm-hmm. industry, the haunted attraction industry. We've got, you know, tons of footage, a library of footage of, of stuff on, on horror conventions and haunted attractions and horror TV hosts that... You know, we're culling into original programming for this as well. Well, there's a, a certain horror host out there now, uh, an up-and-coming horror host who's just getting his feet wet, who might have interest in getting involved. Uh, we'll leave his name off it, but you know who I'm talking about. He was the, the savior of Creature Double Feature. Yes. And yep. we'll, we'll see if uh, maybe we can get in touch with him and get him involved. Have you had any contact with him? Uh, no, I haven't. Not personally, no. Okay, well, I'll see if I can get you two in touch with each other and, and see what we can do on that end. That would be great. Yeah, because, you know... <laughs> he likes to be on TV. He likes to be on the internet. So, <laughs> can I just one quick thing? I, I just want to um, thank you. Put a thank you out there to everybody that's um, emailed me and, and called me in support of this whole issue with the um, with the trademark. Because it's it's really nice to know that the fans are out there and that they're loyal. And, and everybody can get in touch with you uh, via your MySpace. Is that the best way to get a hold of you? That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, our, our website is is just up with our simple graphic. Um, if people keep tuning in in a, in a you know, within the next week or so, we should have um, uh, more information on what's going to happen with the website. Is it okay if I give that out? Sure. It's uh, horrorhaven.com. All right. So horrorhaven.com. We'll put a link up at spookysouthcoast.com as well. And uh, we, we hope everybody keeps supporting you and, and you keep us up to date with what's going on. That would be great. If people want to email me, they can email me at rog at horrorhaven.com, R-O-J. All right. Well, thank you, Rog, and we will definitely be in touch with you in the future. Excellent. I appreciate your support. And, and I'm sorry you didn't get out to the drive-in tonight. No, it's okay. I had a busy day, so it didn't work out. <laughs> right. Well, it's good that somebody still does go out to the drive-in. So I so, drive an hour to get there, so and I love it. I, I'll do it every week if I could. And, and it's double features each week? Uh, yeah, well, this week they were showing Spider-Man and Ghost Rider, so yeah, that's a pretty good double feature right there. Can't be. And do, now, do you tune? Just real quick before we let you go, do you tune in over an AM radio to get the sound, or do you still have to put that squawk box on your window? Uh, no, they have they have it on on uh, both AM and FM these days. Oh, beautiful, beautiful! Yeah, so you can get nice, nice surround sound and. Yep, 
Yeah, bring your lounge chairs and sit outside and enjoy the movie. Excellent. All right, well, maybe we'll join you for one sometime. Excellent. That'll be great. All right, thanks, Roger. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, that was and Roger Froyland, who is putting together the Fright Channel, the online version of it, and we hope to uh, help him get that done as much as we can. So stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Tammy Wilson, who along with Tanya Hacker, uh, they are the Ghost Divas, and they are recommending you get out there for National Paranormal Cleanup Month next month in June. So we'll keep you up to date on all of those things. Uh, we'll we'll be involved somehow or another, right, guys? Somewhere or another. Yeah, yeah we will okay. be. And at the very least, we'll help keep pushing this and help keep promoting it. If you get involved, please let us know. Uh, spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Reach us on our MySpace, MySpace.com dot com slash spooky south coast get a hold of us let us know send us pictures of you out there working uh cleaning up some of these sites we'll we'll get them out there to people we'll let everybody know what it is that you're doing uh mr ellis we thank you for joining us here in the studio my pleasure and, and we look forward to getting out there and, and poking around in the cemetery and, and getting a sense of just the awesome history that must be there just give me a call we'll do I'd love Great. to have you back to hear more of your stories Absolutely. of your encounters, most definitely. Thank Absolutely. You. Appreciate that. All right. So for Matt Costa from Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been it's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. We report, you decide. AM 1420 WBSM. AM 1420 WBSM, the local news leader. Here are this hour's top stories. It's me. with local news, talk, and sports. This is WBSM New Bedford, Citadel Broadcasting, AM 1420, WBSM. CBS News, I'm Sharon Middleman. 
Three U.S. soldiers are missing in Iraq after their patrol was attacked near Mahmoudia. Now U.S. and Iraqi forces have launched an intensive search. CBS's Mark Strassman has more. This search is for as many as three U.S. soldiers missing after a coordinated pre-dawn attack. There were a total of seven U.S. soldiers and one Iraqi army interpreter on patrol, hunting for roadside bombs and insurgents who plant them. And 20 miles southwest of Baghdad, closer to Mahmoudia, explosions rocked their two 